0: Welcome to 15 Minutes of Feminism, part of our On the Issues with Michelle Goodwin at Ms. Magazine platform. As you know, we report rebel and talent just like it is. And we're gearing up for a new school year. And there are real questions about what children are going to confront in terms of violence. In the wake of Uvalde, in the wake of buffalo in the wake of indianapolis we could go all across the country and name spaces where people are scared they're terrified about the possibility of their children their family members confronting gun violence and really it's beyond just that isn't it and this is exactly what jackson Katz is going to talk with us about Dr. Katz is an educator, author, lecturer, friend to us at Ms. magazine and a social theorist who is internationally renowned for his pioneering scholarship and activism on issues of gender, race and violence. He has long been a major figure and thought leader in the growing global movement of men working to promote gender equality and prevent gender violence. I couldn't be more pleased and to have him on this episode it's such a pleasure to have you back with me on the show jackson thank you so much for joining us as we are thinking about back to school at a time in which there is just such toxic masculinity that we've seen the uvalde shooting we've seen that in so many instances in buffalo across the country right we could just name state by state city by city but parents are sending their kids back to school with protective armor in their backpacks.
1: Yeah, what a time we live in. And, and what a time for young people to be, you know, growing up and the normalization of certain kinds of um, violence, basically. The, the, way that, the way that violence is just a part of the, and, and the fear of violence is just, and, and by the way, it's true that other categories of people and groups of people have been dealing with the, the fear of violence. If you live in communities in the United States that have high levels of gun violence, not necessarily school shootings, but gun violence, thats this is not a new concern, right? But but for a lot of white middle-class families who are sending their kids to schools in the suburbs or whatever, even in colleges and universities who have had an expectation, and again, I know that's not fair that, it, that it's disproportionate, impacts, you know, burdened uh, the people in communities, uh, you know, impoverished communities, communities of color often have these issues that have been long-standing and now a lot of white middle-class families are dealing with some again there's some overlap and there's some differences um it's kind of pathetic that it's become so normalized in every different community in the different ways that it manifests itself but let's be honest the vast majority of violence in our society uh interpersonal violence is done by men against women men against other men men against people who aren't women or men in other words beyond the binary the the issue really is what is going on with men? Why do so many men use violence? Um, you know, in various ways. And what? And, and 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 let's be honest. I mean, your, your opening sort of question invoked the the, the, the the gun culture, and we have this crazy gun culture in the United States. And it's it's it, the the carnage, the the millions of people literally who have been both either murdered or injured over the past you know forty or fifty years is just astounding and it's astounding how normalized it's become and and yet by the way last thing it's amazing how so few people in the mainstream conversation are willing to say out loud that it's men committing the overwhelming majority of that violence again it's like, it's like, I feel like I'm the, you know, the emperor has the kid and the emperor has no clothes. I mean, I'm not the only one, but I mean, I've been doing this work for a long time trying to say, let's have an honest conversation about masculinity and masculinities. Why are so many men using violence? What is the, what is the, you know, there's a reason why, the, why men use violence, why, and why women, a tiny fraction of violence, especially gun violence is done by women. It's a gendered reason and feminist, theorists and activists and and others have been talking about this for decades, but getting into the mainstream conversation has been an incredible uphill climb.
0: So I'm wondering about why that is, and I'm gonna get to that question. I really appreciate this opening. So what is toxic masculinity? Because some people might be saying, well, you know, that just sounds like hating men, this toxic masculinity stuff. So help our listeners and others understand what you mean by toxic masculinity? Well, to be honest with you, Michelle, I don't use the term toxic masculinity. I mean I, okay. I'll I'll, I'll, ex- I'll
1: answer your question, and I think okay. it's an important conversation. but men like myself and others who do the work that we do in the, you know, uh, you know working with men and young men, and I work with everybody, not just men, but mm-hmm. I, I never use the term toxic masculinity. I don't think it's a, mm-hmm. a useful term. and I'll, I'll I'll tell you there's many reasons, and I know for the for the sake of brevity, I'll just give you a couple of key ones. Um, toxic masculinity to me is a internally almost internally contradictory because toxicity suggests an organic substance, a, a poison invading an organic substance. But masculinity is a social construct. It's a political construct. It's, it's based in structures of power, what, both in the family and in the, in the community and in other institutions. And so thinking about an organic agent on the one side, or excuse me, a toxic poison agent on the one side and a social construct on the other those are those are those are two different things and the other thing is when we use the word toxic masculinity people often think of the individual his toxic masculinity there's something wrong with his wiring he's he's an abusive guy or he's his behavior, his characteristics are somehow problematic. My argument is this is not about individual pathology. This is a structural problem. It's like saying racism is an individual, toxic racism. It's like racism is a structural problem. Individuals manifest that, and they should be held accountable for their behavior. Just like men are individually representative of a larger systemic force, but they should be held accountable for their individual behavior. And so, 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 so that's one of the reasons why I have a problem with the word toxic masculinity. And the other is just that I I do think it's a shutdown word. I think a lot of men hear the word as a criticism of their very essence of their quote unquote manhood. And you could say, well, that's not true. We're just talking about the bad behavior. But I think, I think if the goal is bringing men into the
0: conversation, as Loretta Ross says, calling them in rather than calling them out. Yeah. She's been doing real work in that space saying that we need to revisit the whole cancellation culture. Yes.
1: But so if you want, if you don't want men to shut down, if you want them to be part of the, engaged in the conversation, beginning with a term that is somewhat alienating to a lot of men doesn't work. By the way, the men who are not, uh, who are, the men who are comfortable with the term toxic masculinity, generally speaking, are already. There, in a sense, in a sense. I mean, in other words, they're already mm-hmm. supportive of a general feminist understanding of the world and, the, and and gender justice and fairness. They're not the problem. I mean, I'm not saying that everybody, including myself, has got it all figured out and is in any way perfect. I'm just saying if we want to expand, you know, the, the, the scope of our ideas and the reach of our ideas,
0: we have to be reaching. Then language that. really matters. All but, right. So, so then, with with that, then what do you think then, as the term is used? Um, what are people trying to say by using that term, and then why substantively haven't these issues been covered in mainstream media? Right.
1: I, th- I mean, I think w- what people really generally refer to when, when they say toxic masculinity is abusive behavior of some kind. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, whether it's whether it's sexual entitlement or aggressive behavior or violence when it's uncalled for, uh, or you know, performative uh, violence or dominance. Uh, you know, it could be everything from, you know, mansplaining to you know, to you know, you, you know, shooting up a school. but but it's it's generally speaking referred to as bad behavior that is engagement in by men or young men that is in some way connected to a a gendered understanding of of manhood. I, th- I think one of the reasons for the resistance to talking honestly about men and violence is it's similar to wh- white people not being resistant to talking about racism. It's like, It's not me. Oh yes, I see it's a problem, but I'm a good person and I'm not racist and I don't act in racist ways. And I think a lot of men get defensive just like a lot of white people get defensive around discussions about about racism um, because we're talking about larger systemic forces
0: rather than just individual failings. Um, So you're really one of the leading experts in the world studying in this space And, you know, I'm wondering then how people come to understand its reach, because you're right, some people may reduce this to, it's the one off. It's the one individual who was upset that his girlfriend uh, dumped him or, you know, or said goodbye. And then he shot a few people, or it is the one guy who's upset about something and then shoots people at a grocery store. Um, in Buffalo. But you're suggesting that really this is something deeper, it's been part of a culture, it's been part of the kind of sociology of how we've grown up as a country. So you're basically suggesting that it's almost everywhere, is that right? Like in government, you know, what's the reach? I mean, is it is it just the lay people or would you say that this kind of culture that we have extends broadly even in the institutions that are supposed to protect us from perhaps things like this?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's everything it's all that and more. I mean, I mean that's this is a big issue in our species, and it has been for a long, long time. I mean, think about this this way, Michelle. And again, this, as you know, and, you know, we're doing our best to, 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 to get some important issues out, but it's so much bigger. Um, I would say violence is not an end unto itself. It's a means to an end. People use violence for a reason. They're trying to get something. They're trying to perform a certain kind of manhood, if you will. They're trying to gain or maintain control in a relationship. In some cases, they're resisting the imposition of violence against them or control against them. So they're reactively using violence. But it's always have to be under violence always has to be understood as a means to an end. The question becomes then what why are so many men and young men feeling like They need to use violence to get something. What are they trying to get? Yes, why?
0: Why? What are they trying to get?
1: Well, in a large part of the the, uh, equation, again, I'm not totalizing this, but it's respect. They want to feel like they're uh, being validated as men. They're being successful as men. And if they can't get what they want through nonviolent means, they're going to take it through violent means. And and by the way, this is true of interpersonal relationships. When men are in a heterosexual relationship are abusive to their wife or their girlfriend, it's it's, it's often, if not always, about using violence to get something from her, to gain compliance, to punish her for transgressing against his authority. It's not just comes out of nowhere. This is, by the way, very similar to the the insurrection. You know, it's like these are.
0: I was just thinking about that, Jackson. This is January 6th. I'm imagining it as you're speaking.
1: That's right. They could, the the, the right wing, you know, and largely white, but not exclusively, but overwhelmingly men, but not exclusively white men who couldn't get what they wanted, which is the re-election of Donald Trump through democratic means, they're going to take it by force, which is, by the way, this is all happening. So at the micro level in
0: relationships, at the macro level in politics. I oh mean, my gosh, this is really chilling. But you're right, because that's what is, that was what was coming to mind for me. And it's even in the backdrop of discourse today, already being queued up about the investigation of the former president about the search of Mar-a-Lago. So much. Look, this is part of our 15 Minutes of Feminism platform, and I could go on for hours with you on this. But I do want to turn back to, before I let you go, I want to turn back to this question about what are parents to do in light of this culture? It was parents who have sons and daughters, but they're sons, and may be very concerned about their sons and how you know there's one thing to have the values in the household but i think from prior conversations that we've had that you've got to be concerned about what kind of online resources your kids have access to you might be you know rearing your kid one way in home but your kid is getting access to something totally different on social media how do we you know address that as we go back to school this year
1: Oh my goodness! I mean, it's it's a great question, and I and I have a son in in college. I mean, wow! Um, how do you how do you how do you summarize this? Let, let me let me put it this way: um, I think we need to redefine strength in men. Okay, so I think a big part of what a lot of young men want is to be strong or to be seen as strong, and yet all the models are, are most many of the models that they hear of quote unquote masculine strength. Are these cartoonish ideas of strength that do not meet the moment in the 21st century they they, they're to say the least they cause huge problems in terms of heterosexual men's interaction with women because a lot of these women want to be treated with respect and dignity and yet for for obvious reasons and yet a lot of men are hearing from the andrew tates of the world and other influencers on social media as well as the former president and his followers politically and, and otherwise they hear that being a man means you're powerful physically you don't take you know stuff from anybody you you never back down when you're in a fight or in an argument you you know you, it's like it's like all these really cartoonish and i i would argue self-defeating ways of thinking about manhood if parents can help their sons think about being strong not just about physical strength it's about moral courage it's about taking risks it's about speaking up when you see injustice and even if people at the in the moment criticize you like your friends at a party and they're doing something that you think is uncool and you figure out a way to say that's not cool We we shouldn't be doing this that's an that's that's an exhibit exhibition of your strength and your character it's not a it's not about weakness even if in the moment it might cause some awkward interaction with your fellow, you know, with your fellow men. Can I also say one other thing, Michelle? Yes. Before, before our time, yes, okay. yes. We need more men who have the guts to speak out about abortion rights and about 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 the threats, not just the threats, the, it's the actual the actual diminution of women, uh, women, especially women's uh, basic fundamental uh, bodily autonomy. And there's an awful lot of men who agree that it's wrong and that that the country's going backwards. But I think those men have to find a stronger voice. And I I know that a lot of men are filled with anxiety about that, which I appreciate, because it is women's leadership that is, in the multiracial, multiethnic sense, that is driving you know, the the reproductive justice movement, but men have an incredibly important role to play both personally and politically. And I think that we need to get over, some of us have to get over our anxieties and just start speaking up because we need more men in the public conversation, not just in private supporting women and others who can get pregnant. We need more men publicly saying, this is not okay. We, we are we are going to stand with these women, and we're going to stand with our with our brothers as well, and say this is fundamental issues of justice and fairness and equality, and and we're not going back, and we're not going to we're not going to allow women to just stand alone in in make in struggling with that with that issue or or any number of other issues. So I th- I, I would say to men, especially men who are influential whether in their families, but in their communities, in their workplaces, we need more leadership from men. We need more men's, adult men's leadership. And if we wanna have boys and young men who are rising to the occasion of the, of the 21st century, we, are, we need adult men who are modeling that for those boys because it's the pressure on young guys, like high school students and college students. The, the, the peer, they're in adolescence and late adolescence and the intense pressure on them to conform is, 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 can be overwhelming. And it it eases their burden a little bit if they see adult, powerful adult men saying this and modeling it for for the young men.
0: Well, with that, Jackson, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of 15 Minutes of Feminism, counted in our own feminist time. And I am so hopeful that you are going to come back and join us again. I really enjoy being in conversation with you. And li- and
1: likewise, Michelle, I'm, I I love your your activism and your uh and and it's it's an honor and pleasure to be uh, in dialogue with you. Thank you
0: guests and listeners that's it for today's episode of 15 minutes of feminism part of our on the issues with michelle goodwin at ms magazine platform and i want to thank my guest dr jackson katz for joining us for a very critical important urgent conversation about matters involving male violence systemic male violence what many people are describing as toxic masculinity but which he urges us to rethink And I want to thank you, our listeners. I thank you for tuning in for the full story. And we hope that you'll join us again for our next episode, where you know we'll be reporting, rebelling, and telling it just like it is. And for more information about what we discussed today, head to MsMagazine.com and be sure to subscribe. And if you believe, as we do, that women's voices matter, that equality for all persons cannot be delayed, and that rebuilding America and being unbought and unbossed and reclaiming our time... Are important. Then be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to On the Issues with Michelle Goodwin at Ms. Magazine in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart Radio, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever it is that you receive your podcast. We are ad free and reader supported. Help us reach new listeners by bringing this hard-hitting content and what you've come to expect and rely upon by subscribing. Let us know what you think about our show, and please support independent feminist media. Look for us at MsMagazine.com for new content and special episode updates. And if you want to reach us, please do so. Email us at ontheissuesatmismagazine.com, and we do read our mail. This has been your host, Michelle Goodwin, reporting, rebelling, and telling it just like it is on the issues with Michelle Goodwin is a Ms. Magazine joint production. Michelle Goodwin and Kathy Spiller are our executive producers. Our producers for this episode are all, Oliver Hogg, and joining us now, Allison Whelan, and as well, our new social media content. Producer Sophia Panagrahi. The creative vision behind our work includes art and design by Brandy Phipps, editing by Will Alvarez and Natalie Holland, and music by Chris J. Lee.